Hi, we're back. I don't know what happened. I just spoke to you for about 10 minutes and lost it. <laughs> um, so we we're talking about the value of handcraft. And I was sitting yesterday with designer Doreen Breen from, she's um, the founder of Soul Threads, an upcycled and artisanal line of mostly jackets. Truly amazing stuff and a really amazing woman. And we were talking about, um, well, for example, she was raised in Scotland. And when she was a, ch- a little girl, you know, everything they made out of necessity, everything was made. Nothing was bought. And as a teenager, she moved to the States. And her mother, because things were ready available and inexpensive, stopped making anything. And <laughs> that... Back in Scotland, she had had all the, so many traditions of craftsmanship that she engaged in to make things. And what I wanted to talk about was this, this disconnect from craft, that part of it has to do with my grandparents also um, immigrated from Italy, and there's a certain sense of leaving the traditions and crafts behind because the American way is more of this consumer culture but on an individual level that actually cuts us off from our own creativity in a lot of ways so like do we see craft as a burden or as a freedom and I think that's something to think about in the different ways that it plays out because every time I can easily buy a garment while I'm expressing myself by wearing it. That's all. Every time I do that, I'm getting cut off from my ability to sit down and make something totally unique and have that whole journey and pleasure of creating on my own. And that's, that's, that's a big deal. And not only that, there are community aspects such as when we passed down techniques and traditions to friends, community, kids, other family members, right? There's, um, for example, I learned to knit from a Vogue knitting book, but, um, and, and it was very cool anyway, like, remember, and you may have this experience or you may not have had this experience yet, but when you knit or make jewelry or paint, or draw when you sculpt. When you start making things with your hands, if you're felting, oh God, there's a million, crochet. There's a deep sense of meditation and grounding and joy that comes with that physical and emotional experience. Um, Well, so I already enjoyed knitting, but then I realized what happens when you go into community with these crafts or skills people help each other along people give each other tips you know you you become part of this whole family of creatives who help each other along and it's a never-ending uh opening expanding world of creative freedom and ideas it just fully makes life so rich and having this conversation with Doreen reflected on so many things. So one example I'm going to bring up is my own son, who is now a very talented um, animator and almost like puppet maker, doll maker, sculptor, and bringing 
how does this tie into economics again is that when he was younger I had a full-time teacher's salary on a part-time schedule it's like a really great <laughs> really great for me as a single mom but when I got a new administration and lost that full-time salary uh he had to, we had to start making stuff that we couldn't buy anymore and while that seemed so sad <laughs> it's turned into an empire turned into piles and shelves of creations beautiful artistic creations films produced all kinds of things so sometimes that necessity becomes the richness it's amazing maybe always right um, speaking of necessity, on the other hand, we see that our consumer culture is driven by low prices in many ways. So we buy fast fashion, we wear it twice, then we donate it. If you watch the True Cost movie, um, you'll see how American clothes sent overseas to, let's say, Haiti, just one example actually are putting the local tailors and dressmakers out of business and destroying that tradition. So these are things we need to be mindful of. There are traditions everywhere. You probably heard about lace houses in France closing down, Italy, you know, fabric mills closing down. Um, globally, everywhere, we want to preserve these traditions that come from the people, especially our foremothers, you know. Forefathers, too. Sometimes I always put this feminist edge on things because I often see how I live in a, I live and work inside more of a, a patriarchy. So I like to play up, um, and we're so used to it. So I like to play up the feminine, the female side of things. But we are all big one family that need to rely on each other across countries, across genders, across languages, etc. So when you when we purchase cheap fashion, uh, we're purchasing clothes that are taking our brothers and sisters who already um, their labor is already inexpensive and these companies put them in competition for lowest price. And that's something that we're very disconnected from. So when you start making, sewing, knitting, you start to re-realize the value of the work that goes into making something. Um, I'm just going to share a few business models as case studies before we stop. I don't want this to get too long, but this has all come up in the past week. Okay, so one I want to bring up is I found... A company in Sao Paulo, Brazil called Atelier Vivo Living Studio and it's a big library of patterns not tissue patterns but like cardstock patterns so reusable it's a huge studio with big windows and plants hanging all around and it's a it's a nonprofit library and workshop so people can come and learn to make a pair of pants and have the pattern there, and there's fabric, and they learn to sew. Um, you can also come if you already know how to sew, but you can also take workshops there and learn. And um, one of the quotes off the video I saw for Atelier Vivo 
was one was saying when the person comes in and spends seven hours making a pair of pants they get a whole new perspective on what they buy um the other great thing about it is how uh, democratic it is this space this studio space and how it brings people together into a, a beautiful space to create together and it doesn't um it doesn't separate people from by economics it's a very diverse uh like they have initiatives to help people who can't pay the bus or can't pay the fabric so that everyone gets to participate in this amazing creative clothes making space um another example i'm going to share two more examples from you and they are actually all brazilian <laughs> uh one is a video that i shared recently on my facebook page uh, but it was all in portuguese so i'm going to talk about it so that it's like translated for you uh, Fernanda Yamamoto is a great Brazilian designer in Sao Paulo. Um, all of her fashions are very unique, very handcrafted, and all made in-house in her studio. Um, or, well, here's an example where not. But she visited Paraíba in the north of Brazil, which is almost like a desert. It's a very dry, very poor area. And there's a huge tradition of lace making up there where the women have a long traditions of making very detailed, beautiful laces by hand. Um, they work on a pillow with these strings. And, and actually, you'll hear the women saying in the video that local people don't value their lace so much, but when they can reach outside, it's more valued. So Fernanda Yamamoto was so moved by the beauty of the lace and these women and their culture that she did a whole collection working with their lace. She also helped them learn um, some techniques. She kind of learned their techniques and then taught them some of her techniques for design. So they created some really innovative designs and some more open laces because they're quicker um, and yet very beautiful. So they mixed traditional with new techniques. And the collection, I think it was 2016 fall. I should let you know specifically so that you can reference it. But um, she did a, a little documentary where she interviewed the women. And this is not the first time that I've watched Brazilian videos where you're interviewing women in artisan communities. And I literally cry every time because it's so soulful it's so together it's so family these women share their daily lives their work is integrated with their daily life and this is something that we have lost touch with and that we sort of crave one to respect the work that goes into our clothes and our artifacts right and second, to have that experience ourselves. Um, three, to value the handwork and the traditions that go into making things. And then the last example I'm going to use from my recent research that's in Brazil as well is that I took a class with Agustina Comas, who's an Uruguayan designer based in, I believe it's also, is it Rio or Sao Paulo? I think it's Sao Paulo. I took her upcycling class, and I thought that was going to be sort of a crafty class. It was so theoretical. It was so historical. It was so moving. Just, I can't get reminded often enough that we make 
The fashion industry makes so much more than could ever be consumed. So not only do you have waste chemicals from textiles and then waste fabrics from cutting out the clothes, but you even have a tremendous amount of waste in simply unsold goods. We're producing so much more than anyone could ever consume. And this is something we really need to address. So Agustina Comas, who's the founder of Comas, C-O-M-A-S, you can look them up on Instagram. It's a label. Her designs, she takes um, men's shirts. I don't think she, they're used ones. I think they're extras. You know, when there's just extras and extras and extra piles <laughs> of shirts that she redesigns them so that None of that becomes waste, and it all becomes the raw material for her collections. And she's very passionate about educating about the culture of consumption and how we can change the way we look at it. We can change the way we design, so we're not creating more and more waste. Um, so Fernanda Yamamoto, working with artisan communities, Atelier Vivo creating a space, a library of patterns where anyone can come and learn to make a garment and make a garment in a day, a weekend, anytime. <laughs> and then Agustina Comas, who's reusing what would have been thrown away. So she talks about how something that once had value becomes unvaluable, like the new dress that ends up on a clearance rack. It goes from valuable to unvaluable. And her, she defines the upcycler as someone who brings new value to that thing that had become unvaluable. And I just want to plant all these little seeds in your mind or revitalize them in my own mind so we can take them into our days. And I would love to know what this stimulates in you, like what thoughts come to mind. Um... Yeah, and it all started, it all summed up yesterday as I sat with Doreen and we talked about how coming to the new world meant no more craft because we associated craft with poverty. And that actually we can also associate mass, mass fabric with poverty because of the sweatshop culture. But that in between, there's a place of making, sacred making, making with love, making with tradition, making within community, making with pride, or I don't know if pride is the word, but satisfaction, the satisfaction of making and, and sweat and adventure and freedom. And yeah, I guess maybe satisfaction is the word I would use rather than pride, perhaps. And the idea of making things that last, that we keep and putting the sacred back in what we wear and use that sometimes is lost in the modern, often is lost in, in the modern experience. I would love to hear your thoughts on these topics. Um, I got a little distracted today because I recorded like a part two and the whole thing got deleted. So when I started again, I couldn't remember what I'd already said. But I hope you got something that sparked your heart today. And I would love to hear back from you. Any thoughts you have relating to this. Um, oh my gosh, I just thought of another one. 
<clears throat> that came up yesterday, but I'm going to have to put that in the next episode. Remember that you can subscribe for email updates and free gifts over at fashionillustrationtribe.com. Uh, if you want to stay aware of when I have new courses opening up or just peruse the blog, there are lots of articles about illustration and design, and I'm going to start posting the podcast episodes over there too. So thank you for joining me today. I send you lots of love, creativity, and adventure, and we'll talk to you again soon. Signing off for now. This is Laura Volpentesta. Mwah!